Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the first responder podcast. Join your hosts, Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed, as they address the real issues in health and wellness for first responders. From physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance, we leave no stone unturned. Answering the Call, the first responder podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as iHeartRadio. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery answering the call. Welcome, everybody. Answering the call, the podcast for first responders. I am Mike Miles, the podfather. And I'm Jersey Ed. Jersey Ed? Yes, sir. thought it was Big Ed. Big Ed. <laughs> and we have our producer extraordinaire. Sweets. Sweets. The man. The, le- the myth. The legend. And don't, you know, podfather, it's. The birthday man today. You are the birthday That's man. That's correct. Don't, don't, Today's we, the we birthday. Can't, uh, Father. We can't overlook that. 35. It's been a tough 35 years. Yeah. I got to tell you You look that. rough, man. I look 66, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> you, you look rough for 35. I'm gonna, I'll give you that. Hey, All anybody right. wants, if anybody wants to wish the Podfather happy birthday, call 617-379-1163. Wish That's us right. right. If you... If you have nothing to do, that's 617-379-1163. And the first five callers will get uh we'll we'll send you something. We don't know yet. We'll, it'll be something. It might be a birthday cake. Yeah, a piece of the birthday cake. Could be a piece of birthday yeah. cake. <laughs> An old, stale piece of birthday cake. Could You'll be a it. could be a cigar stub from Ed's uh hideaway. That's right. Ed, Ed, where are you? You look like you're um, broadcasting from Wolfman Jack's uh garage. <laughs> I am still I am still in the uh the COVID uh, nineteen mode here, and uh, not up there yet. So it's so we 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 record our shows as we as you guys know in in a couple of days, and so we're stuck. And hopefully, when this airs out, maybe we'll be have some people going out by by then. But but for now, man, I'm here. I'm stuck here. I miss you guys. Um, hey, I'm in the studio. Absolutely, we miss you. We um, it's it's tough getting by without you. Actually, um, it's really <laughs> enjoyable. But no. You know, <laughs> hey, how about all the first responders out there? You know, the firemen, the police, the correctional Amazing. officers, the EMS, yeah. our veterans. Uh, boy, I hope everybody's muttering through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough one for them out there. And uh, our guest, uh, bring him on here in a, in, in a minute, Anthony Lancelotti. He's the captain with the uh, fire, uh, the Providence Fire Department, and he's the EAP for them. We'll talk to him about that in a couple minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Get him on. But yeah, it's insane, I, man. It's it's. Uh, good yeah i got a question for anthony when he gets on <clears throat> so i'll wait good. Good, good. So i couldn't just... i couldn't i couldn't imagine being out there uh as a first responder right now i couldn't imagine having to uh um you know step into any of these situations like i saw in uh indiana um that they uh, i think it was indiana the other day that they're they're actually changing a policy where they're no longer using uh narcan uh to bring people back from overdoses because of the risk involved right you know, like there's some really tough choices that are yep. being made out there. And I, sure. I can't say whether I agree with them or not right now, but you know, there's some really difficult choices that the right. first responders have to make. Right. Well, I remember back in the eighties, uh, working the streets, you know, searching people, um, you know, when HIV was around and, you know, you'd find people that had hypodermic needle syringes in their pockets and in their socks. And, you know, it, it was, a, it was, um, you know, it was a scary time. So we'd always give them the benefit of the doubt. We would ask them, you know, right. um, we're not going to charge you, which it, it is a chargeable offense in Massachusetts. 
uh, possession of a hypodermic needle syringe. It's a misdemeanor, but we would ask them if you if you have a set of works on you, you know, let us know. We're not right. going to charge you. Just let us know. And I had two officers, uh, police officers from Lowell that got stabbed, and one of them actually got a retirement out of it because he got HIV. Wow. Yep. Yep. True story. And that that's the thing. I mean, that's the risk out there right now. And it's I would say it's even scarier than a needle because you can see a needle. You know you got hit by a that's needle. That's correct. You know, and there's a test that you can get right away to find out what you correct. got when you got hit. Correct. But with this, you don't know. It's nope. invisible. Scary. Scary. Epidemic. Uh, just never lived through anything like this. And hopefully we never have to live through it again. But Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting there, I guess. What's the um, what's the uh, the thinking behind not using Narcan? Uh, well, just how close they have to get, um, and uh, the 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 process they have to go through. Right, it uh, goes in the one of the nostrils, and you know uh, that's kind of where it emanates from. The uh, the virus emanates mm-hmm. from your mouth or your or your nostrils, either saliva or uh, right. mucus. You know? That's I mean, cool. I, don't, I don't know what their reasoning behind it was. So far, they're the only state that I've heard that's done it. Um, but the, I, I saw that yesterday. Right. Dang, uh, Scary stuff. And, you know, I heard this morning they're, they're doing ventilators. Their doctors are making ventilators for patients. You know, yeah. like you said, you ha- they're, they're, make, they're, they're making choices that, um, that can have somebody die, unfortunately. And what's that going to – what's for these first responders, like not administrating um, – um, Narcan, Narcan or um, ventilators with the nurses or whatever. What's that going to do to them later on in their lives? You know what I mean? Like, like what, like the trauma of you know you're getting through it right now, but then the trauma of them, um, you know, later on in life. Oh my God, I, I, I you know, I could have saved that poor person. You know, you know how it is. Um, their mm-hmm. podfather, you, you probably had to make some hard decisions in your career. Yeah, certainly did. I remember uh, I went to my first hanging and. Um, the gentleman, you know, he hung himself on a uh, on a gas pipe in the uh, basement of a multi-dwelling. And um, I didn't have a knife. I, I didn't have a knife. I had a knife in my bag, but I didn't have it on my person. And I was trying to pull the rope, bite the rope, untie the rope. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was fruitless. You know, the gentleman was dead. But, um, you know, I'm not a doctor, so we were taught never to pronounce anyone dead. And um, <clears throat> from that day forward, I, I never, ever put on another uniform without having a knife in my pocket because, um, you know, it was just a very difficult, uh, kind of felt responsible a little bit. You know, if I had a knife, I could have cut him down and we could have maybe worked him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. All that craziness goes through your head. I couldn't imagine all that. And, and even, yeah. What about, what about even a, a, a like a normal traffic stop where you pull somebody over for running a red light or, or even, even just no seatbelt, and you know, do you ever think like that poor woman? I should never gave her a ticket because maybe she had the four kids in the back, and that seventy-five dollar ticket might be a meal for her. Did you ever? I mean, even something simple as that. Oh, yeah, like, like yeah. I'm, yeah I'm a very empathetic guy. I always, I always um, took consider, um, took families' uh, situations in consideration, and young, young, young teenagers too, because you know they were new at driving. Oh yeah, I was never the. Uh, the prick officer that wrote tickets just to make a quota on a, on a, on a, you know, have someone say, well, that guy writes a lot of tickets. I was just the opposite. I actually left the detail one night working with a guy that was writing a woman a ticket because her sticker wasn't on her plate. Her, uh, <laughs> her registration sticker wasn't on her plate. It was at home. She had a little baby in the back seat in a car seat. And, um, you know, he was writing her a ticket and, and I tried to talk him out of it. And he said, no, we just happened to be in front of the police station. So he towed her car. I walked her into the station. 
And um, I got her a ride home, and um, I left the detail. I said, I can't work with a guy like this. I'll end up punching him in the head. Wow. You know, it just wasn't for yeah. me, yeah? No, I've always been a very empathetic and understanding guy. It, it wasn't what you did, what crime you committed. It was how you acted towards me and what your station in life was. If you had a little bit of, uh, you know, um, politeness in your, uh, you, it went a long way with me. You think that's with a lot of cops? You think? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that's. I think that's the norm. So you yeah. didn't really like the attitude of "I pay your salary." Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My which, taxes yeah. pay your salary. They got tickets. <laughs> you don't like that? They got tickets. <laughs> I thought badge that attitude. Number. were Yeah, I thought that attitude. Were, I want your badge number. My yeah. my taxes pay your salary. Yeah, yeah. Get they, away they, from my car. They got tickets. <laughs> yeah. You that one, right? <laughs> or, or worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so yeah. hey you know what that stuff matters like i think we've talked about it repeatedly that you know the uh um you know the first responders that are out there responding to these emergencies they're people too you know what i mean and people really respond better to a, a good attitude i mean sure. you, you show up to a, a scene or, or or something like that and i mean your the human side of you comes out too i mean you're trained right so the first responders there but the human side comes out too absolutely like, yeah, yeah i never but you also have to protect the public, though, because, I mean, if somebody runs a, a stoplight or a red light, that's almost right. a guaranteed ticket, right? Stop that's right. Light. Yeah. Well, it depends on how, how fast they, 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 they ran it, because um, I very seldom come to a complete stop myself, you know. Um, oh, you like that California roll? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if somebody jetted right through it, absolutely, you know, they, they, they would get a ticket. And, again, it depends. You know, if somebody was desperately looking for a hospital or trying to find where their kid was, I'd understand that, you know. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, there were, there were some real blatant, we call those blatant, uh, you know, um, tickets, you know, somebody that's blatantly doing something could give a shit about, you know, anybody else's safety. So, yeah, but uh, I wasn't a big ticket guy, but I certainly, uh, I wrote a few, yeah. not a lot, but a few. Well, you had to, you had to, you had to keep the money coming in. So yeah. unless somebody breaks the law, you still, I mean, if, if they broke it or not, if they're, you know, if the family, you know, you, you have to pay the price, you know? Yeah, well, some people, some people, um, uh, they just don't want to play by the rules, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I got a million stories, so you know, um, <laughs> well, I got a lot of stories, a lot of got a lot of good memories. I got to tell you that, and uh, you know, some people in, you can just have a good time with too, you know. Let's get in with them, <laughs> Anthony. Can you guys hear me? Okay. We can. Yeah. Good. Good. Let's get into him with Anthony. Yeah. Let's get Anthony on Anthony here. Lottie, he's. Um, He's a captain with the Providence Fire, Fire, Fire Department. He's the EAP for Providence Fire Department. And you guys have a lot in common with that. Um, Providence Fire Department is the second largest in the Northeast, um, second, lar second largest department in the Northeast and the second oldest paid department in the country. Wow. With wow. Cincinnati being the oldest. It's also in the top 20 of the busiest in the country. Um, Anthony was a firefighter for the last uh, 37 years, so apparently he's been a firefighter since birth. Um, Thank you. He's Thanks for noticing. <laughs> director of trainings. Um, started uh, the employee assistance program back in 1995 for the, for the department. In 2013, started running the peer support program. And FEMA, Fire Emergency Management Association, sent him to 9-11 to to help out with um, the ground, uh, with the ground firefights. Um, I remember, um, I, I don't, I didn't know you back then. Well, Anthony, welcome to the show. And uh, I remember you telling all those stories about being down at, um, and down at the uh, World Trade Center. So um, thank you for doing that for us. We appreciate it. 
Oh no, it was an honor. It was an honor. Also, like a little typo there. I've been running the uh, the EAT since two thousand three. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I might have said 13. I got a little, uh, my wife says I'm the fastest two finger typist there is. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I never read anything I do. So everything's, yeah, but it was, it was very, it was very surreal. It was uh, something that um, uh, it was an honor and a privilege to be, but then you had to realize what you were there for. And, uh, and it was a little uh, disheartening. It must have been difficult for the firefighters and, and the cops that were at nine, I mean, um, ground zero as a result of the uh, 9-11 uh, towers crashing because so many brother officers and firefighters, you know, succumbed to the, uh, to, you know, to the, to the yeah, destruction yeah. of those buildings. Yeah, definitely. And as you know, being a firefighter and a, an officer, when you're trying to do a job and you've got people asking you questions or acting like they want to help. Um, right. Hey, listen, I'm a Providence firefighter. I live in Cranston. If I call Cranston and I'm a captain on Providence, they'll entertain me, but only for so long. Right. And then they'll take over. <laughs> right, so, you have right, no doubt right. New York is the same way. And you want to be there. You want to be intrusive. You want to be helpful. You want to help on the pile, but you also want to talk to the guys and see what's going on with them and let them know what they should be doing for themselves. Right. And, uh, and uh, I got a, a quick funny story. I was going uh, to the bathroom and one of the busted out places that was makeshift that had, had half crumbled and uh the guys were coming in there to go to the bathroom next to me and i found that everybody was pretty open when they were going to the bathroom <laughs> and wanted to talk so i spent most of my time just in the men's room uh talking <laughs> to the guys it was easy and it was a big joke uh, how i would spend my days in the men's room and i said it was great i helped a lot of people and i made 85 dollars so it was, it was good <laughs> So Anthony, so you know, I know, I you know, you and I spend a lot of time together. Um, I come see you up there, and and we we spend a lot of time in Vegas, and uh, and and you know, at the um, uh, the lap convention and and all that. Um, but um, you know, and you tell me some of these crazy stories. I mean, you know, you're, you're laughing about it now, but that was that was pretty intense being and and, and you know being down there, um, you know, helping these guys out. You know, whatever you, whatever you know, what, however you were doing. I'm sure you just weren't pissing and talking i'm sure you're oh, getting no. dirty and everything you know no no we we were on the pile you know and, and what would happen too is um you worked in it by uh, you know you wanted to to begin with and so you worked side by side with them so we were digging and uh, bringing waters and and you know getting in the line and while we're in the line we would just switch positions and talk to the people that were next to us in the line so that was it and then uh you know and you just uh you know i gotta tell you um you know, as far as food went, we we didn't need anything. Um, I think uh, AT and T. I don't I don't know who did it, but they put up a a, a plywood. Uh, it had to be four plywoods wide of phones that you picked it up and you could have talked to anyone in the world for nothing. Wow. Um, so there was no excuse that these guys couldn't get in touch, even working the way they worked with the family member. But we just reminded them to make sure you check in because uh, they're worried about you. I mean, and 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 as as the pot father knows, when, we, when we're set with a task, um, you know, we're not going to stop because when we stop, someone dies. And uh, that was us. Yeah. So uh, we had to remind, we were mostly there to remind people to take care of themselves. Eat, yeah. rest, call home, you know, those, those things. We were more for them, but we, we worked aside them, you know. Hey, hey Anthony, um, 
you've been a firefighter quite a while, and, and I applaud you. The EAP uh, is going to be a difficult job. I did it for nine years um, on the job, and then when I retired in 2015, I was fortunate to have it for another three years, three and a half years, um, you know, for Lowell, which is, uh, you know, a good-sized city, not, not, not yeah. no, nowhere near as big as province. But um, Stephen Silla, um, Tunnels to the Towers, are you familiar with that organization at all? No. All right. Um, it, it, so uh, Stephen Silla, he was, a, I believe, a New York cop, and, and, and his brother was a firefighter. And um, from his firehouse on uh, 9-11, the brother um, saw the, uh, the first plane hit. He was off duty. He lived near the fire station. He put on all his gear, and he ran through the Holland Tunnel to go into Tower Number 2. Um, and as he, he never came out. And anyway, there's an organization, Tunnel to Towers, and it's just something I want to mention because they're an organization that his brother put it together, and, and they give uh, first responders that die in the line of duty, they give their families homes, they uh, help them oh. with college education. Yeah, it's something very interesting, something you might just want to Google, Tunnel to Towers, yeah. it'll tell you all about it. Oh, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, yeah sure, certainly. So, so being being down at the um, the site and um, you know seeing all that, how, actually, how long were you there, Anthony? We we got there, I believe, um, the fourteenth, and I believe we stayed till the nineteenth. They had okay. us like five or six days, and then what happened was there were um, FEMA put it together, and what they did was they grabbed fire departments from all different areas of the country. So I believe we were there with Boston. Um, uh, I think Virginia, Lafayette okay. was there. There were like five or six other departments between four to six uh, members from each team, from each department. And then what they would do is they would send us, so we wouldn't get, you know, like the Podfather said, so we would keep our sanity. They would ship us out and then put in other departments that had um, active EAPs, you know, peer support people that could go in there. I think at the time, uh, if I remember correctly, and I, you might get calls, I think um, uh, New York's peer support was run externally. Not externally, but had an, it wasn't a firefighter right. who ran it. But he had firefighters who, who were on the team. And I think a lot of them were involved with 9-11 and maybe Paris show. They were kind of depleted, um, mm -hmm. which is why we went in there with the, the amount of members they have, uh, why we were sent in there that, to help out. And, and I, as once again, as a firefighter known in Providence, if someone came in from Lowell and wanted to help, I would appreciate it. But you know how we, uh, <laughs> you know, we always want to fix ourselves, you know, and, and do that. So it took a lot for them to accept us. They used a lot of their retirees, which is something I want to touch on. And I don't think we do enough of like uh, the podfather saying that he did it after he left for a little while. That's really, that's really great. Cause I don't think we use enough of our um, retirees for stuff. And I think right. they want to. And I think they're available and I think we should. And I learned from then and I try to do that a little more with my program uh, with retirees because I've seen that in New York and they escorted everybody that came to us were, was retired. Right. I think because most guys retire at a younger age where they still have a good 20 years left in them to at least help. And, and, and I, I agree with you. I think it's great because we learned from, as you did, you learned from the old Jakes when you came on and I learned from the old cops when I came on. And uh, some of their ways, I mean, they had less equipment. They had less. I remember going to a horrendous fire. I mean, this was a bad fire. Five people died. And the firefighter, um, his name is Lou. He's still alive. His name is Lucian Latulip. And I remember him running into the building and the captain calling him back and saying, you know, put on your air pack and 
He's, I'm not putting on no goddamn. He had this real raspy voice, you know. Yeah. He just he disobeyed the order right into the building. The captain stood there shaking his head, like, what am I going to do with this guy? But <laughs> you, you know how it is. You, you, I'm sure it's a lot different now than it was when you first came on, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we were at, I got on, well, I did, I did 37 years. I 31 in Providence. I did six years in North Providence, which is a town just north of Providence. And, um, and back then, I remember being in North Providence, the, the, the SCBAs were kept in suitcases on the right. truck. So when you pulled up, you had to take them off, open up the suitcase, put it on. Right. And you, you right. didn't have time. You didn't, you know, it, it, it seemed like a time consumer. Correct. You Especially know? if something was blazing. Kind of just did that. They started mounting them on the trucks and they're all mounted now. So there's no reason not to. Right. And, and stuff back then was just different, you know, uh, burnt different. You know, we got more you know, more uh, plastics and more stuff that really is harmful. I mean, there's some, they got some uh, pipes that uh, an inch of it burning in a room would kill like 20 people, you know, wow. so yeah. So it's a little different game now. And I think, uh, I think we don't have a problem with uh, guys doing it too much anymore. It's kind of mandated that they keep it on. There's little meters that you go in with that, uh, you know, show their cyanide in there. If they're beeping, you don't take your stuff off, you know, you know. Right you know what you got to do so it's monitored anthony real quick we're going to take a break here we'll continue this conversation um uh, you know this this is pretty fascinating like the, the new technology that's helping us out to save the the first responders lives while they're responding so uh, we'll take a quick break back to the answer, studio answer yep answering the call the pod <laughs> answering the call <laughs> the first responders podcast since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. The first responder recovery program at Genesis House is led by a doctorate-level therapist with direct professional experience as a first responder himself. Treatment modalities focus on psychiatric care, relapse prevention, stress management, and trauma-informed care for PTSD. Learn why their individualized approach makes a difference for first responders. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Answering the call, the podcast for first responders. Or the First Responders Podcast. Whatever way you want to look at it. Here we are. I am the Podfather. And I'm Jersey Ed. And also, Jersey Ed wants to wish the Podfather a happy birthday. A happy birthday to the Podfather. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. 170 today. 170. I never thought I'd make it this far. That's right. Uh, but real quick, Podfather, can I do the podcast pick of the week while I'm please. Please. in here? Please. Yes, you may. Yes, you <laughs> Would may. you like a drum roll? <laughs> I would like a drum roll, please. There you there go. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jersey Ed's podcast pick of the week is give it to me again. There you go. Um, DTFF, the Volunteer Firefighters Podcast, down to fight fire. Host is Carl. Um, firefighters are uh, problem solvers whose role requires them to be on their best day, while others are having their worst day. While they do not claim to be perfect, they are willing to put their lives on the line to try. It is during the trying they continue to develop the mindset, tactics, and training that allow them to be effective, safe, and successful where it's needed most. Sharing their experiences 
They hope that it may help each other, uh, help, may help other fire departments in creating what works for them. You can find the, the Volunteer Firefighter podcast wherever you get all your podcasts from. So that's a good one. Check it out, guys. And if you have any questions for us, you want to wish the um, Podfather a happy birthday or say something to Anthony, you can reach us at 617-379-1163. That's 617-379-1163. And all this information will be in the show notes, guys. Um, the happy birthday will go out to Podfather. It'll be up there. The phone numbers, Anthony, um, we'll get some contact information out there for you if, if there's somebody watching that might want to be interested in doing something with um, an EAP or, or no, you know, for, for firefighter perspective. So um, back to you guys in the studio. Thank you. Hey, uh, just real quick, I, I made a mistake earlier in the show. Um, I, I said that the, uh, the firefighter who actually died um, running from in through the hauling tunnel to the uh, towers, his name was Steven Silla. Steven Silla was the firefighter who died. It's not his brother. Thank you. Back to Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing today? Great, great, guys. Yeah, you're quarantining? Quarantining in the basement. Um, that's what everybody told me to come. I, did, I thought I could be in the regular house, but I don't <laughs> At least you got a basement. I'm stuck in the garage, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have heat, so it's good. And, uh, <laughs> It's, it's like Silence of the Lambs. They, they send the food down in a bucket. So that's good. Uh, that's all right. That's good stuff. <laughs> so what's going on with the fire department with this COVID stuff? And, um, uh, you know, well, you know, we're, 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 we're like, uh, like Podfather said, we're muddling through. Um, luckily, uh, we're a proactive department, uh, not so much reactive as everybody is. And, and uh, we're getting stuff in. We're getting PPE in. And, um Matter of fact, I'm kind of in charge of that now, being that they shut down the DOT, being there was no training or anything uh, going on. They kind of got our office and kind of switched us to uh, to uh, equipment uh, and PPE for our members. So we're taking care of the members while the members are out there taking care of the public, which is um, which I kind of feel falls under the same thing as EAP because uh, whether you're taking care of your guys mentally or physically or protectively, you're taking care of your members. Yeah, yeah. So well, we're doing well. Now, all the firefighters are, are all hands on deck. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's nobody quarantined or anything. Um, you know, knock on wood, we haven't. We had a couple of people that were feeling ill and went to go get tested, waited for the results to come back. They were fine. They had a couple of family members. Um, as of now, um, to tell you the truth, I have two family members that are being tested now too. So I haven't been at work for the last uh, three or four days. I'm waiting for the results. So as of what I heard, uh, we haven't had really anybody, but um, we have a lot of uh, directives going out. We have a, um, an incident action plan, an IAP that we work on where all our information that we get in, all our memos, all our uh, mandates that we're telling the guys to do go out every day. It goes from, uh, uh, eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock the next morning and we make any changes or additions onto that and it goes out and everybody reads it and it's up to the officers and the chiefs to make sure everybody complies and uh, I guess everybody's been doing really good with it because I haven't heard of any like um, stations epidemic quarantine stations which were set up for also in case anything like that happens so um, our leadership has been very good our, uh, our commissioner is is um, is right up there he's a uh, He's a uh, good advocate for the police and fire and getting us the, what we need and, uh, and um, 
it's it's very good. They, they they approach it the same way they are with DAP. They're the same way with DAP. They they allow me to to take care of our members, and uh, you can see they're doing it the same way with the PPE and uh, and what we're doing. Good, good, good. Hey Anthony, um, I have a question, um, a point of interest. I know in Lowell, um, I think it happened in the early '90s where a lot of firefighters were certified as EMTs, and then um, rescue became more than just rescue. Rescue was always part of the um, some of the station houses in, in Lowell, especially the main station in, in uh, JFK Center. The rescue unit was there, but then when they was when the firefighters were certified as EMTs, rescue would go on every every call, you know, every uh, medical call. And so obviously you recall when that switched over, when, when did that happen in Rhode Island? When, when was that uh, something that was a big change in everyone's life? Yeah, well, we, well, and, and let me, you know, I have to clarify because I know our rescue might be different than a lot of other people's rescues. I guess our rescues everywhere else in the country are ambulances. Um, and like you said, some departments run their ambulances and some don't. Um, we do. So we always had that issue also, um, uh, no doubt, uh, as you talk to uh, police and fire departments, the call for EMS has gone uh, way above the call of fire. So um, as, the, as the calls have been getting uh, larger, uh, we've added more uh, trucks, more uh, ambulances, uh, rescues onto the fleet. And, um, and we have a, we have a 480 member department, which wow. changes. So um, we have people that come on and, and the new guys uh, are put there, you know, like, right. like any of the department, junior guys. And then, uh, and by doing that, it, it's twofold. Um, you get guys that are getting on, they get uh, to know the areas and know where they're, they're going and, and what to do. And also, uh, they don't realize that they really like that. That's how you get people that, you know, it's one of those positions that you've got to be good at. You know, right, um, right. really, I mean, we deal with people's lives every day and everything, and we're going to make split, you know, second decisions, I believe, on rescue and ambulance. Those guys really do. So right. uh, you want the people there that want to. And I think now uh, the whole idea of our academies, as we're stressing that, that's part of this job, and it's important. And sure. um, and we, it's a little easier now. Like you said, when we got on, it was right. almost a punishment. Hey, if you don't climb that ladder, you're going to go to rescue. Yeah. Hey, if you don't, you don't get that hose on the fire, you're going to go to rescue. You're going to go to fire <laughs> prevention. They used to use all the other avenues um, as a punishment or that was lesser than, you know, just being on a truck. Right. Um, it's changed. And it's like anything else. Culture, as you change it, um, as, you, as you mandate it and you keep up with it and, and keep doing it, it gets a little better. But it is... I find it is better now. I think we have a waiting list for, for guys who sure. want to go to rescue. Sure. Uh, where years ago, when, like you said, in the 90s, when you went into the station, they said you're detailed to the rescue. Uh, you know, you wanted to get sick yeah. right then and there. You know, yeah. or you had to <laughs> muddle through it, but, but you did it. And then once you got there, you know, our guys, they complain, you know, uh, firefighters, we have a saying, there's two things they hate, uh, change and the way things are. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so whenever you'd get there, they would they would they would rise to the occasion and 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 do what we have to do. Yeah, yeah I think cops have the same thing. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. good. Hey, are you are you the only uh, firefighter in your family? Do you come from a family of firefighters? Oh no, I got a family. My uh, my uncle uh, uh, retired a uh, 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 chief of administration in Providence. I had a cousin who retired, a deputy assistant chief in Providence. My godfather was a lieutenant in Providence. Wow. I've got um, 
cousins in Westerly, Rhode Island, and uh, West Warwick, uh, East Greenwich. Um, yeah, uh, we, we, it's a, a, a full line of uh, mostly, mostly fire. Uh, I have one uh, cousin who's a uh, police in Johnston, Rhode Island. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so we're all, my sister was a dispatcher 27 years for police, huh, Providence wow. police. Wow. You came from a family. Hey, Anthony, real yeah. quick, um, we have to wrap it up here, but what is that shirt you're wearing? That looks like a Ranger shirt and you're in Rhode yeah, Island. I was just telling, I was telling Stacy, um, but I ran the hockey team. We had the hockey team and uh, me and uh, uh, Rob Gribben, who was the goalie for our team, one of the goalies, a uh, real, real good goalie. He played, uh, he was backup for the Providence Bruins when they first started for a little bit. He was the emergency backup goalie. And um, we wanted to change the logo. We liked, uh, though we're Bruins fans, we liked the uh, Ranger um, shield. So uh, we just kind of put Providence, you know, firefighters down the thing, and all our jerseys had that shield on it. It's cool. funny whenever we went to t tournaments all over the all over the country, every department had the other city's colors. Like you go to right. New York and they wore like Chicago colors, and we wore <laughs> New York colors. So everybody always wants somebody else's uh, to be uh, a little uh, different. But uh, everybody always responded. They, Plus, if you look at it quick, they think they thought we were Rangers. <laughs> it's good for the ladies. <laughs> until they seen us, until they seen us play, and then they knew we were. <laughs> well, Anthony Lancelot, I thank you very much. We really appreciate it, and uh, you're a dear friend of ours, and we always stay in touch. And uh, um, you know, hopefully, you guys will get through all this craziness. And um, you know, um, you, the firefighters in Providence are always in our prayers. You and your family, and. Uh, it's hopefully we can get this thing done. I'll see you out in Vegas in um, in August, I hope. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, thank you also. Thank you for having me on and uh, giving us a chance to get out there and uh, talk to everybody. Thanks, Anthony. Be safe. Yeah, thank thanks. you, Anthony. So, Bye-bye. Thanks. Um, so, Podfather, so uh, you guys have a lot in common, you and Anthony. Yeah, we do. We uh, Yeah, I guess we do. You know, what What a great guest. You know, Eddie, I got to compliment you again. I know I did in the last show. Uh, bringing on some great guests uh this was uh this was wonderful um you know we volunteer our time we do this uh, we try to help people um when you have a professional firefighter who's also also the eap um so he sees so many different sides of, of what firefighters do and he you know ems workers do and oh, yeah. first responders uh yeah what a great guest so honestly. anthony you know he comes from the long line of um firefighters and and uh and you know the people who help each other. And, and that was just my point. Podfather was just trying to, you know, kind of figuring out. Um, I think there's a certain person that's driven to this, not just somebody who likes the excitement of uh, the first responder stuff, but somebody who wants to help people too. And I think that's kind of what you guys um, are really the, the cloth that you're all cut from. Well, when you hear that story about Steven Silla, you know, he, he's on his day off. He's at his firehouse. He sees the plane that hit one of the towers. Or he, he sees the, you know, the aftermath. And goes just goes in, puts on all his gear, which I think weighs about sixty pounds. I could be wrong. Um, and he runs. He runs a mile and a quarter through the fucking Holland Tunnel to go die. I mean, you know, I don't know if society realizes what firefighters, police, EMS, correctional officers. I don't think they realize that their life is in danger every time they walk in the door, walk, you know, pull up to the station house, pull up to the police department you know, walk into the prison, jump out of an ambulance. They don't realize that every time their life is in danger. And, you know, the law of average, more than likely, they, they don't die. But when it does, I just watched the news this morning. It was a young uh, 
female police officer, brand new child. Uh, she was a veteran. She gave three years of her life to her country. She gets shot, you know, probably by a guy that's been out of jail, in and out of jail several times, you know, um, uh, bad criminal record, very, very violent. And it's, this is what we got. And, and, and it's just, I don't know if society realizes how fortunate they are to have people with type A personalities that yeah. get in these careers and go out and spend. And I'll tell you the other thing people don't know. And I know for a fact, because the department of justice told me, <laughs> these are the studies they do. Nobody makes very few people make it less than 23% make it to their actual retirement time with a full, you know, contingent of, Number of years, which is 31 years in Massachusetts, you have to live 31 years. I mean, you have to be on a department 31 years, and you got to be 55 years of age. Those are the two magic numbers in Mass to get a retirement, you know? And you pay into that retirement. It's not like they're giving you anything. You've been paying into it for 31 years. But 23% make it to those magic numbers. So, I mean, this is a very dangerous, dangerous profession, all four of those professions. So you made it to that magic number. I did. So I did. And I feel fortunate. And that's why we give back. This is why it's, it's bred in you. You just do it. And, you know, I saw a three-car accident when I left here yesterday, when I left Sweet Studio yesterday on the highway going to Salem, New Hampshire. And for a split second, I thought about pulling over. All three people were out of the car, out of their cars. They were in the speed lane. So I called the state police. They'd already received three calls, so it was good. But for a split second, I was thinking of pulling over. Where am I going to pull over? What do I have in my trunk? You know, I have a first aid kit, which I do. Uh, you know, but nobody was, nobody looked like they were in peril, so I did not. But I mean, I'm a 66-year-old man. I don't know how much I could have done, but I would have yeah. pulled over. Yeah, and and that's 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 the that's what makes up a first responder. Even though you're retired and and you're you're done, you still want to help people. I mean, you come here and you help. You help us, you know, you help us all the time and you're helping the, all the first responders here and on our other channel, the uh, Friends in Recovery, because you're in recovery and you bring that piece to it too, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the other statistic there, um, Podfather, is once you make it that 23% to retirement, isn't a first responder's life expect expectancy very short after they retire also? It's about 19, 19 years less than the average citizen. In other words... If the average life expectancy, which it is right now, about 78 for males, right? For police officers, it's about 60. For uh, firefighters, it's about 60. Hot, the hot bill in Massachusetts was created because the firefighters were dying of heart attacks in their 40s, late wow. 30s, 40s. And because of the job, the stresses of the job. And, 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 and the, I don't know if you've ever been to a raging fire, like a three or four alarm fire. I have. I've been to several of them. And, and um, I'll tell you... Uh, it takes a special person to put on that gear and run into a building. Look at Worcester. How many times have they had to bury multiple, multiple firefighters that have died? Five died in one fire, three died in another. That's one city, yeah. you know? And I'm sure Anthony saw, saw all kinds of peril when he was there, you know, uh, while he's out there, 37 years. Yeah, yeah. So, so and again, it, it takes a special person to be driven to do this, um, you know, and, and it's a job also, but you're also – um, on top of all, you're also a therapist, not, not you, I, we know you personally, but firefighters, EMTs, uh, you gotta be a therapist. You can't just, you know, somebody's hurt or something. You can't just say, okay, we're going to fucking help you and walk away from right. you. You gotta, you gotta be there mentally, physically. If you're seeing somebody dying, you, you might have to help them get to pass on, you know, sure. to the next life also, you know, when I, mean, I was. When I was a kid, myself and my, my friend Kevin Richardson, we'd, we'd go downtown and we'd go by the fire station or the police station. His dad was a detective. And um, 
you know, we will always stick our head in the fire, you know, the, the fire department. The doors would be open. They'd be sitting in their chairs talking. Always welcoming. Never, ever said, hey, screw, get out of here. You know, they weren't worried we were going to steal anything. They, they were always willing. And, and I can't tell you how many kids I've taken to the fire, to fire stations. You know, nephews, nieces, grandchildren, uh, just people in general. Uh, they had kids. They wanted to see the fire department. I'd bring them in. They always would drop whatever they were doing and, and just be community servants. Commu community policing and community fire and corrections. All this community happened in the 80s under the Clinton administration. There was funds set aside. But they were doing that long, many years before that, with no funds, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Podfather, it's been a good show. Um, I want to wish you a happy birthday and you're, Thank you're you. passing all these statistics. Thank God. We, we want you around for another 60 some years. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> be really, I don't know if I want to stick around that long. <laughs> I'm three inches shorter than I was 30 years ago. <laughs> you think they'll still be doing podcasts 60 years from now, or is it just going to be like, it'll be, it'll be directly injected into your brain yeah. electronically. Just put a little USB in your head. Yeah, yeah like, or we're going to wheel them in, in into the studio. They'll be wheeled into the studio. And who, who's that guy talking? What, who is that? We'll just, we'll just zoom in his consciousness. If I can get another 20 years, I'll be a happy cat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, we, we hope you do, Podfather. And, yeah. and happy birthday. We love you. You work very hard for us doing this. This is from your heart. This is from um, you just come in here. You, you, you donate 16 hours a month to do this. And, uh, you, you know, both podcasts, and we really appreciate it. We really, really do. Uh, thank you my pleasure, believe me. Our, you know, Taylor, this is House, everybody thanks you. All right, Jersey. Ed. Well, and, and don't forget, if you're listening, uh, there's a couple of different ways that you can support this podcast and Podfather and keep him, keep him coming, right? Is that uh, you can jump on Facebook and you can look for Answering the Call, the First Responder Podcast, and you can uh, you can like the page. You can make comments about the posts. You can leave happy birthday comments for the Podfather. You can yep. put some little emojis on there, some sparkling birthday cakes and stuff like that. Uh, you can go on to YouTube and you can subscribe to the channel, which is Answering the Call, the First Responder Podcast. You can like it. You can subscribe. You can turn on notifications and play the red dot game with us, which means that every time a little red dot pops up on your phone, you feel compelled to go in and address that issue. Amen. And then you'll see the new episode. And, uh, and then if they, if they want to ask a question or if they want to put up a topic for a future episode, what's that phone number? Sure. That phone number is 617-379-1163. Wow. Yes. Right that good. just rolls right off the tongue, oh, doesn't I it? Just, it's right there. It's embedded in my pea brain. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, listen, answering the call, the uh, podcast for first responders or the first responders podcast. Stay safe, everybody. Everybody from the garage of Jersey Ed. We're going to see you soon. We hope to see you. That concludes this episode of Answering the Call, the First Responder Podcast. Thanks to Genesis House for sponsoring the show and supporting first responders who are struggling with addiction and mental health. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, email us at help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com. 